follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaVariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to P.I.'s Declassified, an inside look at the world of private investigators. Your host is Francie Kaler, a noted private investigator. Francie and her guests take you behind the scenes and into the genuine, sometimes gritty business of investigation. You'll hear stories from the trenches with plenty of surprises. Here's your host, Francie Kaler. Why are private investigators interested in legislation? That's her topic for today. Today, the Social Security number is the only unique identifier. So what if you had a legal issue and needed to locate an individual to support your defense or substantiate a claim you had? And how would you proceed? What if that Social Security number was no longer available to you to locate or verify an individual's identity? Every year, Congress introduces bills to restrict access to personal identifying information. And although that intent is well-intentioned, it will have wide-ranging unintended consequences if that happens. I have two guests today. I can't think of two individuals better suited or more qualified to discuss legislation impacting the world of private investigators. First, Larry Sabbath. Uh, Larry's a government relations consultant with almost two decades of experience serving associations, coalitions, and corporations in Washington, D.C. He is a Capitol Hill veteran, and he served as a staff director for three subcommittees, with jurisdiction over issues affecting the Federal Trade Commission, small business, tax, antitrust, uh, transportation, and the environment. And then following his legislative experience, uh, Larry served as Vice President of Celery Associates, where he re- represented clients in private security and financial services industries. And now he has his own firm, Sabbath Government Relations. He holds a BA in government and politics, from the University of Maryland, and an MA in political science from the University of Nevada. He's the legislative advocate for the National Council of Investigation and Security Services. That's NCISS, as we fondly call it, a 36-year-old Association of Investigation and Security Professionals. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, Francie. Nice to have you here. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. Also joining me is Jimmy Messes. Jimmy has been a licensed private investigator for over 30 years. Jimmy and his wife, Rosemary, own and publish PI Magazine, a trade magazine for private investigators, and they also own two other companies, PI Bookstore, PI Gear, and I think they have uh, something called PI Web, but Jimmy, I'll have to let you answer that question in a minute. Uh, Jimmy's past president of the New Jersey Private Investigator Association. He's a member of the National Association of Legal Investigators, an honorary member of both the Georgia Association of Private Investigators and London's 
um, World Association of Private Investigators. He was featured on the History Channel and called Operation Reunion, where he located and reunited soldiers who served together in Vietnam and Korea. He's been a guest on FX TV, PI, and CI, CNN's Larry King Live. It is no surprise that Jimmy has received numerous awards for his work. So with all of what I just told you, Jimmy still has time to be the current legislative chair and a regional director for the National Council of Investigation Security Services. Welcome, Jimmy. Pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for that very kind introduction. Well, you're quite welcome, and it's all true. So I, I know you personally, and I know it's all true. So you get. So um, let's just, um, Jimmy, just briefly, what do private investigators do anyway? I mean, are they? You know, it's an interesting question. Uh, most people only assume that PIs do what they've seen on television. Um, that they follow cheating spouses and uh, do a lot of surveillance. But PIs actually work uh, in more than 50 different investigative categories. Uh, we do everything from uh, accident reconstruction. We work on adoption cases. Uh, we work with uh, arson investigations, locating assets. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on. We get involved in child uh, abuse cases, criminal defense cases, mm-hmm. um, corporate intelligence, due diligence. The list, Francie, just goes on and on. And basically what I tell everybody is every major corporation has a PI on staff, including the White House. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> That's probably true. And and so um, is this a regular regulated uh, profession? Well, for the most part it is. There's only uh, four states currently that don't license private investigators, and uh, for the rest of the country they are are licensed. Uh, Idaho, Mississippi, um, South Dakota, and Wyoming, for the most part, they don't license PIs. Colorado just passed a law that will start licensing PIs. And the licensing laws do vary from state to state. Uh, My home state of New Jersey requires that you have a minimum of five years, 10,000 hours of experience as an investigator before you can qualify for a PI license. And then in New York, um, there you have to have three years experience, but you have to take a test. So every state has their own regulations. Some are higher than others. But the most important thing is that uh, people, the public needs to be assured that when they're hiring a PI, they've been vetted that they're licensed, uh, especially in those states where licensing is required. And it's easy to find that out, isn't it, Jimmy? Uh, somebody wants to find out if you, if a private investigator has a license. The easiest way to do it is, that for the most part, uh, licensing is either done by the state police, the secretary of state, um, or perhaps a, a county clerk's office. My recommendation would be um, to, if whatever state you're in, contact uh, the PI association for that state, and they would be more than happy to provide you with the uh, rules and regulations of licensing. And normally, it'll be on their website. And you can probably just Google the name of the state and private investigator association and get the information, correct? Yeah, and you can also probably just Google uh, private investigator license or the name 
private detective license. A lot of people get confused by that. Most licensing for PIs actually started in the early uh, 1930s, 1940s. And back then, PIs were basically known as private detectives. And as the years have gone by, more, more of them are now known as private investigators. They've tried to get away from the word detective so that there's no confusion of the public associating PIs with law enforcement. Right, right. And so, you know, people that are listening might wonder why you need a license to be a private investigator. Why can't, why can't somebody who doesn't have a license hire out to do an investigation job if they have the skills? Well, you know, I think the question is something that can be answered across many other um, opportunities or, uh, let's say, uh, occupations such as plumbers and electricians. You certainly wouldn't want to hire somebody to rewire your house that doesn't have an electrician's license. You wouldn't want somebody messing with your piping that wasn't a plumber. And you certainly didn't wouldn't want somebody to build a house for you that wasn't a licensed contractor. Well, the same thing holds true for private investigators. Mm-hmm. We need to know what the law is. We need to know what's right, what's wrong. We need to know um, violation of privacy and invasion of privacy and we have to make sure that PIs don't cross the line and do things that could actually hurt our clients. So by hiring a PI who's licensed, the consumer is actually getting uh, hiring someone that has the most knowledge and experience for that particular occupation. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, I mean you mentioned you have 10,000 hours in New Jersey. Um, that's probably That's probably the highest in the nation, isn't it? It is, and it makes it very difficult for New Jersey to have reciprocity with other states because yeah. no other state has that high level of requirement. So, uh, again, in some states, i got to be honest with you, they do have minimal requirements uh, where people just have to get a business license and register with the county and don't have to have much experience at all. But I can tell you from the – of the about 60,000 private investigators in the United States – uh, about 90% of them are licensed and uh, are vetted, have insurance, and are bonded. And, Jimmy, I know you've probably seen, uh, you're from, people are all, all familiar with Craigslist and, and lists like that. And you see people offering to conduct investigation services all the time, um, you know, and say that they'll be lower than a licensed private investigator and all of that. And that's, people really take a risk at putting their personal identifying information in those people's hands. They, they really do, and for the most part, those people advertising on Craigslist that don't list the license number or clearly state that they're licensed and bonded are actually operating illegally. And you, the public really should never give money to someone that can't prove that uh, they are licensed and bonded and have a legitimate reason uh, for being in this business. You get what you pay for, and cheap uh, sometimes doesn't get you the results you're looking for, often not. Do you know uh, California, of course, as you know, California has a requirement of 5,000, I'm sorry, 6,000 hours uh, to qualify for licensing, but California also has in their Private Investigator Act law an aiding and abetting provision. So if you knowingly hire an individual that you know is not licensed, you can also be uh, charged, uh, charged criminally. Yeah, I mean, we, we have to stop people that are out there that may own a minivan or a camcorder and they automatically they think they can do surveillance and they want to go following uh, people and trying to help their friends out. And what they're doing is just 100% illegal. 
It's also unethical. They don't have the talent, the training, the experience to do the job right. And if this has to go to court, imagine hiring a person who you think is a licensed investigator and they get they gather whatever you, evidence, let's call it that. They go to court and it all gets thrown out because they're not licensed. So, yeah, you got you got what you paid for. You didn't get anything. Right. Well, so, Jimmy, tell me why um, why does a private investigator need access to a Social Security number? That's one of the big items that uh, uh, privacy advocates often talk about is eliminating the Social Security number as an uh, identifier. Well, what's interesting, PIs have had access uh, to Social Security numbers and continue right now to have access to Social Security number for decades. So... Uh, we've used the Social Security number for one main reason, and that is to be able to make sure that the person who we're doing a background check on is, in fact, the same person that we've been hired to either find or to do the background check on. Okay, I'll give hold, an example. Jimmy, excuse me a second. Hold that thought because we need to take a really quick break. That's Jimmy okay. Nessus, private investigator. We'll be right back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on PIs Declassified. Do you need directions to solve financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. 
Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. My guest is private investigator Jimmy Messis and legislative advocate Larry Sabbath. Jimmy, you were talking about why social security numbers are important as an identifier for private investigators. Um, the social security number has basically been a unique identifier that the United States has been using for decades, and PIs have been accessing this information as well and still do till today. The most important reason that we need access is to make sure that the person who we are looking for or doing a background check on is, in fact, the same person. Um, Let's just use the name of John Smith. Um, there are probably uh, 10,000 John Smiths in the United States. So how could a PI know for sure that the record information he's getting or trying to find John Smith is the right one? Same thing holds true for Asian names uh, such as uh, Kim or Patel or Hispanic names, uh, Garcia or Gonzalez. The Social Security number does nothing more for us than to just – isolate the one person who we are trying to find or help, uh, especially if they've been the victim of identity theft. Right, right. And, and private investigators have access to proprietary databases that um, can assist private investigators in getting a Social Security number or at least getting information that a Social Security number would provide. That's correct. But again, we're only using the Social Security number as a confirmation that the person that we might be now looking at is the right person. I mean, we could care less about the number. For us, it's just this is the right person. Okay, this is the person that I can do the criminal background check on. We can check for records on this person together with a date of birth. Uh, Surprisingly enough, do you know how many people with the same name have the date of birth? It's kind of interesting. And having done this for 30 years, it's amazing how many we've come across. So having continued access to Social Security numbers just makes sure that we're pinpointing the right person and we're not giving false information or mistakenly giving information about somebody else that's really not the subject. So private investigators are put in the position of conducting employment background checks on people. They could be conducting uh, a background check on um, some kind of a legal matter that they're dealing with. It could be maybe a class action suit where you have to go back 10, 15 years of former employees and locate them. And sometime in, you know, if you're working on, uh, say, a case that um, a company is going back and getting gathering this information, this may be former employees where you, where you actually have, or you're given the Social Security number, but and only by way of using it can you locate the person has moved to, you know, three states away and has lived there for 15 years. 
Sure. And so it's really important to be able to have access to that information. What's interesting, Francie, is for the most part, just like you used in the examples, in many cases, we are provided the social security number by yes. the client. Yes. So we're provided the social by the employer or from a medical institution that is trying to keep track of somebody that was in a medical study. Uh, and then all we do is use that social so that we can pinpoint the the exact location of the subject that we're looking for. One, one thing that's important, people might be confused. They say, oh, my goodness, you have access to my social security number. Well, just like police have access to criminal records and motor vehicle records, they have to have a legitimate reason for why they're doing the search. Exactly. And so do we. So the the companies that we subscribe to, we have to jump through a lot of hoops and be audited to make sure that if I did run a search using a person's social, I have to be able to justify and prove why I did it. And if I can't, not only can my access be removed, but I can be fined uh, up to over $100,000 for improper usage of a database search. So I, I'd like to make sure that the public is uh, made assured that not all these PIs are running around trying to just get Social Security numbers. It really doesn't work that way. Well, and, and when it, the rubber meets the road, the real conflict comes about when you're working on an identity theft case for an individual and you're trying to figure out who it is that stole that identity, you're, you have to have social. Exactly. And not only that, for the people that have become the victims of identity theft, who do you think is going to help that victim determine or identify who's been using their faults, their identity? And it's usually private investigators. Because of jurisdictional problems, law enforcement, for the most part, does not get involved in identity theft. Let's say you live in California, but somebody's using your social and your identity in New York. Well, where do you file the police report? But by hiring a PI, we're able to determine based on addresses that were used in locations. We can probably come up with the name of the person who actually has stolen your identity theft, your identity. And then we present that to law enforcement, and they love it when we do that because we hand them a case on a silver platter, and they'll take all the credit for it that they were able to solve a criminal case. Yeah, that's really, that's really true. So, okay. So, we, so I think that we've determined that it's really important to have that Social Security number. And Larry, um, are you still there with us? I am here. Okay. I've been listening to this. Uh, it's very interesting uh, discussion between the two of you about uh, exactly what uh, our investigators do and the value of the functions that they perform. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, I'm, I'm just thinking of one thing right off the top of my head. I don't think we mentioned um, often private investigators work on child abduction cases. So child abduction cases would be the non-custodial parent takes sick child and takes them away and they're not legal they do not legally have the right and many times private investigators get involved in those kind of investigations so the child is at risk sometimes um, so Larry what are the unintended consequences of restrictive legislation well I think in uh, almost any legislation whether it's at the federal state or local level legislators or elected officials have to consider what is the downside of uh, some of the provisions that they're supporting? Uh, in the cases that we're looking at, what we're concerned about, of course, is that Congress, uh, many members of Congress are concerned about identity theft and uh, 
one of the things they want to do to help prevent identity theft is make it more difficult for thieves to obtain personal information about individuals Mm -hmm. so that they could open a bank account uh, in their name and steal their identity. Uh, The problem is, in some of the legislation that's been introduced over the years, they restrict everyone from getting except law enforcement. They restrict everyone else from getting access to some of the personal information, including social security numbers, that are necessary for the reasons that Jimmy just outlined. Um, If you restrict private investigators so they can't obtain social security numbers uh, when they need it for good purposes, like finding uh, an abducted child or helping to solve a fraud case or finding a witness that will help exonerate or convict someone in an important criminal case. Uh, If you restrict the ability of investigators to do that, you're not going to get good outcomes in our court system. You're not going to solve the problems that we've been laying out. So there are downsides to uh, the unintended consequences of legislation. You know, most of the time, legislators aren't aiming their ban on the use of social security or access to social security numbers. They're not aiming that at what we do as private investigators. They're concerned about identity thieves. And the byproduct of that is the unintended consequence. So you'll often hear uh, people who deal with legislation in Washington and in the state legislatures uh, talking about unintended consequences. And there always are in all legislation. If you're, um, trying to make an automobile safe. Uh, You could make the automobiles as safe as the ones that are in the Indianapolis 500, but you'd raise the cost to the point where no one could afford one. Mm -hmm. Well, the same thing applies in our industry. And so what we do is talk to Congress about the value of what private investigators do and how they use this information and how we protect it when it's in our hands. Okay, Larry, we need to take another quick break. Um, more information about why investigators are interested in legislation in just a moment. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call 1-800-350-CALI. For a national association, Francie's choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. IRB Search is simply the best online data provider for locating people, businesses, and assets. 
IRB Search gives you strength in numbers. With one click, you can access billions of records. Even with partial information on your subject, IRB Search instantly returns current and past addresses, phone numbers, and more. Call IRB Search today at 1-800-447-2112 to sign up. Mention PIs Declassified and you'll receive a two-week trial of 100 free searches to get started. Call 1-800-447-2112 to find out why IRB Search is simply the best. News. Opinion. Can you hear me? Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to P.I.'s Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. Larry Sabbath, a former congressional aide, and Jimmy Messis, a private investigator and legislative chair for NCISS, are here with me. Larry, you were just talking about uh, the unintended consequences on, on actually any kind of legislation. Right, and uh, one of the problems for uh, private investigators is that uh, we use, as Jimmy was saying earlier, um, databases, those organizations that uh, we contract with and uh, to obtain the information we need for locating individuals or conducting investigations. And those are the organizations that have access to private, uh, to personal information, such as social security numbers, dates of birth, and the like. Uh, And we have to also be cautious uh, that Congress doesn't do things that would restrict access to the information that they obtain. Because that's our source, and so that so that remains critical. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also becoming a problem as the court system continues to restrict uh, public information. It uh, will become more difficult for the databases to obtain that information from public records. Sure. Uh, so it's going to be more and more difficult in the future, and we are hopeful that. The localities and the states and the federal government will take that into consideration uh, when they consider what records to close. And, you know, Larry, I think Jimmy would agree with me on this. I think the majority of people, our listeners perhaps, um, when I talk to them, um, don't really understand that private investigators are an integral part of the legal process. Often without private investigators, I mean, like for instance, there the ABA guidelines on um, capital defense, and that's probably an uncomfortable subject for most people, require attorneys to have an investigator and have an investigation done, for example. So that's a standard of care that attorneys are, are required to comply with. Well, I think one of the most important things is for uh, the, for the public to understand is just how valuable invest- private investigators are to the court system in terms of trying to get to the truth. So people come up with a good verdict. Uh, the best thing 
you can do is have all the information on the table. Right. And if uh, investigators cannot have access to the information, that means the jury and the judges won't have access to all the information that they might otherwise have. And as a result, you will not get accurate and appropriate uh, decisions in some cases. And it's a real shame uh, when that occurs. We could have innocent people uh, convicted or we could have guilty people go free. Mm-hmm. Or we could have the uh, people who've been in um, auto accidents uh, not get the correct recovery. Right. So, so it is critical that the court system have uh, access to the data that it needs. Uh, so, Larry, are there um, and Jimmy, hop in here if, uh, if you have something to say. Are there bills this year uh, that are pending before Congress that would impact private investigators? Well, there's always. Go ahead. uh, I think that's what's important for people to understand, real quick. And then Larry's going to come in and and chime in on this. Is that every day there are bills that are introduced in Washington on a regular basis, and the amount of time that Larry uh, and I have to spend looking at each of these bills and going through them and trying to determine whether or not there's some little. Uh, statement in the bill or a part of the bill that could affect private investigators. None of these bills will ever say the word private investigator in it. But it's some of the things that we do that it would affect us that we have to be very concerned about. So there are several bills, and uh, and Larry and I will can uh, discuss these with you right now. I'll give you an example right now. We have the uh, uh, House Bill, H.R. 2577, which is the Safe Data Act uh, put in by uh, Mary Bono Mack. And this is a bill that we, uh, as an organization, uh, support in its current form, but there's a, uh, there's wording in there of, of potential amendments that could come in that talk about pretexting and that investigators wouldn't be allowed to do pretexting, meaning you can never say that you were anybody other than yourself identifying yourself as a PI, and I don't think that's what many PIs do when they work undercover. Well, expand on that a little bit, Jimmy, because people, um, our listeners, may not be comfortable with uh, a private investigator using some kind of a pretext. Well, you know, what's interesting is pretexting is is a word that got a lot of publicity many years ago with regards to um, pretexting telephone companies or banking institutions to get uh, financial information or telephone information. There are not federal laws that prohibit PIs from doing that. So we're not talking about uh, any type of quote-unquote pretexting to get that type of information. We're talking about simple pretexting where we might just call your neighbor up and just say, uh, hey, I'm trying to get in touch with a buddy of mine that I went to school with. I just wanted to confirm if he still lives by you. I haven't been able to get a phone number. Well, technically that's a pretext, and I haven't tried to get any personal information. I just wanted to confirm does my buddy that were Johnny Jones the subject live at a particular address? Or what about companies that hire PIs to work undercover as an employee to determine where they're losing product and where uh, product is being stolen or whether or not there's drugs that are being uh, sold and used in a, in a facility? And the PI can't go in there and say, hey, guys, I just want to know I'm your coworker today, but I'm a PI, so... Don't you know? Just ignore me. They have to work undercover. So, what I mystery shopping, for example, is a form of pretexting because you're working undercover. So, mm-hmm. undercover and pretexting has always been an investigative tool. And what's interesting is the Federal Trade Commission. You know, when they make their phone calls 
looking to see if somebody's violating the law. They don't call up and say, hi, I'm an investigator <laughs> with the FTC. You know, they, they pose as uh, somebody else. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what PI. So I, I call it benign pretexting where no one's really getting hurt. We're just using it to confirm information that somebody's home or where somebody lives. Uh, but we're not trying to get financial records or telephone records. Well, I think another example, uh, one of the big problems for American companies is um, counterfeiting of goods where people are selling, you know, uh, sneakers and claiming they're from Nike or, or Adidas or someone. And a simple pretext is just to go and pretend you're the customer. Now, I don't think anyone would object to that kind of investigative technique. Mm-hmm. That's basically what pretexting is. Well, along that same line, Larry, uh, the Motion Picture Association and the Recording Arts Association have a big problem with bootlegged product, bootlegged recordings, bootlegged movies, and uh, this is very big business. And they try, and if they don't control it, then they lose their right to that um, that patent or that uh, trademark. So that's and another- that has a real impact on yeah. on American jobs yeah. and on the American consumer. Uh, it increases prices to the consumer. It costs uh, people jobs in this country. So it's a very, very serious issue and one that, uh, particularly at this time where we're having economic problems, uh, is is critical. I think. And investigators, there there is a uh, there are a large number of investigators helping with uh, helping to combat this kind of counterfeiting. Yes. That's right. I'd like to go. I'd like to discuss a couple of other bills, okay. um, Francie, if I might. Uh, one of the bills is called the Best Practices Act. It was introduced by Representative Bobby Rush of Illinois, and that bill is designed to regulate the collection of data, all kinds of data. And the, one of the problems is that it would say that before you collect any of this data, that includes names, birth dates, social security numbers addresses, that you would have to have the consent of the people whose information you were gathering. Hmm. Well, obviously, if you're doing an investigation, that's not possible. So unless that bill is amended, it would have a devastating effect on the on the industry. So it's a big problem. Fortunately, that bill hasn't gone anywhere so far this year, but we're going to have to keep our eyes on it. So and then I wanted to also <laughs> indicate that it's not just legislation that uh, we have to look out for, but also what the regulators do right. uh, here in Washington and uh, in the state capitals. Um, there was a hearing uh, in the uh, Equal Employment Opportunity Commission not long ago uh, to restrict access to criminal history records. Can you imagine if you're doing background check to decide whether um, you want to have you want to uh, purchase a company or bring in a partner into your company and not be able to do a background check to see if uh, he had committed fraud on a previous partner. Mm-hmm. Um, it just makes no sense. And that's the kind of thing we need to look out for. And I know Jimmy uh, had contact with the EEOC uh, and let our uh, let the EEOC know just how we have to use that information. Mm-hmm. Francie, you also have uh, H.R. 321, the Equal Employment for All Act, and 
you're familiar with this because California is uh, doing their own version at the state level where it denies employers access to credit information when hiring someone. Right. Especially us. You know, so what's happening is legislators are so concerned about privacy and making sure that things stay private, but it's a double-edged sword because when you prevent investigators from having access to certain information, you risk hiring people that could actually cause harm to fellow workers and not being able to get full detailed criminal record information. What if uh, I'm not able to do a fully uh, in-depth criminal history report? I can't find that Johnny Jones was convicted of uh, raping a co-worker 10 years ago, and then the employer hires him and then and, and rapes a coworker, and then it comes out that he had been convicted of this, and we didn't tell them or the employer didn't know, you know what's going to happen. We're a litigious society, and they're going to be suing everybody, but we could have prevented it if we had just simple access to certain information. Well, and it isn't just a protection for the other employees and, or for the business assets. It's a protection for consumers because many employees, with, with the amount of management positions that have been eliminated in the last couple, three years, a lot of the same people that handled sensitive data are now, you know, regular line employees. They're not management. And so, for example, um, medical information. All medical information has a Social Security number and a date of birth in it. So if you have access in any dental office, any small dental office, uh, care facility, anything like that, all those employees have access to the individual's personal identifying information besides their medical records. I agree. And, you know, think of it this way. A bank teller, someone who's coming in, working at a bank, making a little bit more than minimum pay wage, has access to a terminal that has every single right. depositor's social security number. Right. And not only that, has access to the balance in their checking accounts or savings accounts that could end up becoming the target of, a, of some sort of a, a scam or a phishing expedition. So not only doctor's offices, but the pharmacist. How about a pharmacist? You do uh, any of the nationwide pharmacy chains and you go in there and you put in your name and they'll know every prescription that you've had right. for years yeah so you know we talk about social security numbers but there's so many other things that are yeah. more i think concerning to me than just an ssn okay jimmy we need to take another break stay tuned and we'll be right back Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Need to hire a private investigator? Ask for their professional association affiliations. When an investigator asks Francie Kaler about associations, she says to first join a state trade association. Francie belongs to the California Association of Licensed Investigators, or CALI. It's the largest association of its kind in the world. CALI's main focus is networking, training, and legislative advocacy. If you need a detective in California, contact CALI at cali-pi.org or call one 800 350 C-A-L-I. 
For a national association, Francie's Choice is the National Council of Investigation and Security Services, or NCISS. For over 35 years, the council's primary mission has been to represent its members before the United States Congress and governmental agencies. Find the council at NCISS.org or call 1-800-445-8408. NCISS and Cali are great places to look for a qualified private investigator. Tell them you heard it from Francie on P.I.'s Declassified. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat show with Dr. Pat Basile, radio to thrive by. Streaming live, the leader in internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to PI's Declassified with Francie Kaler. You can call into the program. We'll take questions and comments at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You can also email your question to Francie. Send it to francie at pisdeclassified.com. Now, here's Francie Kaler. We've been discussing why legislation is of particular interest to private investigators. My guest, Larry Sabbath legislative advocate, and Jimmy Messis, private investigator, and also the uh, co-owner of PI Magazine. Um, so if we can pull this all together as a summary, um, Larry, what are your thoughts if, that you would like to leave our listeners? I just think that people need to um, understand how important it is uh, to uh, understand how legislation affects industry. And in, in this case, I think that it's clear that legislation can have a very harmful effect if it's not drafted correctly on private investigators and ultimately on the court system. And that would mean it would affect uh, most citizens if the court system isn't getting the data that it needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this week, we're going to be uh, having the uh, National Council of Investigation and Security Services come to Washington in what the association calls Hit the Hill right. to meet with their elected members of Congress and their staffs and to do more than talk about specific legislation, but I think also to do what we were doing, have been doing on this uh, call, and that is explain exactly what investigators do, because then I think people will understand and it will help them uh, create more responsive legislation. We're always in the position of battling the myth uh, that's been fostered by movie and TV about who private investigators are and Magnum PI and uh, all of those shows that everybody loves to watch. 
that's why we have to go to Washington and introduce ourselves to our congressional representatives and let them meet PIs in person and let them see that we don't uh, wear Hawaiian shirts and drive around in Ferraris, um, that we're real people handling real problems, and that when they introduce legislation, that there are unintended consequences. And there, a lot of times when we make them aware of the, these consequences, uh, their legislative aides are more than uh, happy to uh, make amendments to the bill or change the way a bill has been written because they weren't aware of it. And if we don't let them know what the potential risks are to the consumer, to the general public, uh, to their constituents, uh, it's our job to make sure that they know what it is and that way they can change it. And that's why we're going to D.C. and PIs from around the country will be uh, gathering in Washington and meeting with uh, our senators and our uh, congressional legislative representatives. Now, and that's going to be next week. Um, actually, um, Tuesday, this, September 13th. Um, so a number of people are uh, flying in or driving in to Washington, D.C., and we'll spend one entire day uh, hopefully educating our elected officials on exactly what private investigators do and why there's a critical need to maintain access to information for a legal process. And I think more times than not, when they hear exactly how private investigators conduct themselves, they're willing to work with us. And uh, most members of Congress understand how important uh, the function is that private investigators perform. Um, and it's up to us to educate them. Well, and One of the things you learn in Congress is there's a lot of turnover. There are new faces there <laughs> from last year. True. That's very true. And... You know, what I always say when I um, am in a position where I'm training new investigators, that no matter what an investigator does, if, you're, if you are retained by an individual to do investigative work, it is a legal process. No matter, no matter People don't hire private investigators that don't have problems. So if it isn't in a legal process at the moment, it could be. So it's always a part of a legal process. So there's another uh, conference actually next week, too, that I should mention. In Boston will be the Council of International Investigators. So they'll be having their conference starting, I believe, Wednesday of next week, which is the 14th. Um, if you're interested in attending any uh, either of these, send me an email, francie at picdeclassify.com, and I'll put you in contact with the person that will give you more information. Um, so, Jimmy, what would you like to leave our listeners with? Well, I think what you're doing with your show is a great thing because it's letting the public know that we certainly do a lot more than follow potential cheating spouses or significant others. We're doing many different types of very important investigations. We're helping people get out of jail that might be innocent of the crimes, and you know the stories of that and how many people we've saved from um, the death uh, chair uh, because we found out that we were able to prove that they were innocent. Uh, we do background checks for major corporations to make sure that they're hiring the right people. We find people, lost relatives. There's so many different things that we do, and I think your show helps to educate the public to let them know that we do provide a very valuable service and one that not only people but businesses can also benefit from. For sure. I, I totally agree and before I 
um, became a private investigator, which is a number of years ago. I won't mention how many, but uh, before I became a private investigator, I had no idea personally that there was even a, a business or a position of a real private investigator. All I knew was what was on TV in the movies. And I can't imagine that I'm a, a lone ranger. So investigators provide a, a really vital um, part of our whole system. And I can't imagine what it would be like if our privacy issues became so tight in the United States, like they are in some other countries, like Europe, England, that we would not have access to many of the things we have access to today. Well, again, thank you, Francie, for uh, putting the show together and helping us to get the word out to educate people, to let them know that uh, PI, in many cases, does stand for professional investigator, and that we're out there to help people whatever problems they may have, especially when law enforcement can't take care of it. Uh, not because they're not capable, but sometimes there's jurisdictional issues that just doesn't prevent them from helping them, and we're there that we can help people when they need it. Absolutely. And... Um, Jimmy, if you could, if people are interested in PI Magazine and some of the articles that are really good articles even um, for the general public to read, what would they do? Um, they can go to PIMagazine.com, and in fact, your uh, listeners can go to the homepage, and they can actually click on the little uh, magazine uh, icon that's moving, and they can actually see a free issue of PI Magazine. Uh, and if they want information about becoming a PI or they're thinking about becoming a PI, uh, one of the easiest things you can do is go to the PIBookstore.com and look at all the different categories of specialties that PIs provide and find one that you're interested in and read some of the books that are in the beginner PI section. It's an amazing career. It's a lot of excitement. Uh, it can also be boring, but you know what? It's If this is what you want, there's places where you can go to get the right guidance to move forward. Absolutely, and I can make these, the same offer if anybody is listening out there that is interested in becoming a private investigator, thinks they have the skills to do so, I'm happy to also talk to you. So give me a, send me an email at francie at pisdeclassified.com. I'll certainly uh, discuss the issue with you and try to refer you to the right person in your area. So next week's show, and thank you, Jimmy and Larry, for taking the time out of your very busy schedules. I know you're getting ready to go to Hit the Hill in Washington, D.C., and I know you're very, very busy. So thank you for being with me today. Thank you. Thank you. So next week, private investigator Nancy Barber will be discussing environmental toxic torts from Boston at the Council of International Investigators Conference. So, again, tune in next week as we declassify more real stories from real investigators. It's PIs Declassified. I'm Francie Kaler. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to P.I.'s Declassified with your host, Francie Kaler. Tune in every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. That's 9 a.m. for you West Coast listeners. 
P.I.'s Declassified explores stories of deceit, mystery, and detectives unraveling the truth every Thursday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, here on the Voice America Variety Channel. 